Welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Yesterday, I was in the presence of a lot of great people. My, my day began with a lot of great people, and then I spent the middle of the day with my delightful family, all great people, each of them in their own individual ways, and I ended my day around a fire with great family. I was listening to Lee Moser, without any effort, talk about the countless breeds of chickens and pigs in his backyard even the names of individual chickens. I've listened to Lee on other occasions effortlessly recall details of countless C.S. Lewis books, and I am so thankful that there are many people like Lee in this world who can hold details and information in their head and they can recall it. My brain does not work like that. My brain does not work like that. I am someone who loves to pay attention to details, but detailed information rarely sticks in my head unless those details are either attached to a story, a story that I can remember the story, the plot of the story, or even more, a picture or an image. This is one of the many reasons why I love C.S. Lewis, because I can remember what he said because he uses so many images. In, in a scene or an image, maybe, just maybe, I will be able to remember something. Just a little bit of something. If you, if you are one of the few brave souls who read 48 chapters of the prophet Ezekiel these last two weeks, you were probably really confused like I was. But you probably have some images that are stuck in your head that you'll never get out of your head. They will never, you'll never forget those. So I praise God for this interesting story in the scriptures and that he chose to end this story with a picture book. With a picture book. He ends this story with a picture book. So this morning we are continuing our Easter series on Revelation. And if you will open up in your pew Bible, Revelation is on page 1028. That's, re- that's right at the end. This is, is, if you recall with me, the revelation of who? Of Jesus Christ, right? It's the revelation of Jesus from the Father to the Son, to and through his angel to John to the churches, okay, to the churches, and and by that, all the way down to us today, the entire church. This is an apocalyptic prophetic letter, which means, which is another way to say, this is a picture book. This is a picture book. In Revelation, we hear words and we see them. We see them. We see with John fearful and beautiful images. So this book, again, again, It's not primarily about prophecy charts and timelines, okay? That's part of it, but it's not primarily about that. John wants to captivate yours and mine, our imaginations with images. 
Now, let me say one thing. When I say the word imagination, or I I talk about apocalyptic imagery, what I don't mean, what I don't mean is that imagination means make-believe. Okay? Hear me. Imagination does not equal make-believe. Our songs and our liturgy remind us over and over again, that these pictures that we read about in Revelation go deeper into the reality than any doctrinal checklist can, okay? So we're getting into real things with our imagination. The images of Revelation are tied up in concrete realities. This is not all abstractions. Realities like how to live your life today. Realities like real-life martyrdom, like real-life slavery to desire, to beastly desire and sin, like wasting your life away believing that physical security or a good family or good food or a great ministry, that these are finally what life is centrally about. Revelation wants to capture your imagination and point you to real things, not make-believe things. These symbols, all of these numbers, they point to ultimate reality. And, and we're going to beat this drum over and over again. Ultimate reality, God, Yahweh, God, the one true God, Jesus, Yahweh, Jesus, he has died Risen, we say this all the time, and he will come again. Or another way to say this, using the language of Revelation, Jesus the Lamb has destroyed sin. He's he's conquered sin. He stole the keys of death and Hades and will come again to resurrect the faithful to life. And like a sword coming out of his mouth, he will speak a word and cut off the head of the great dragon. Okay, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. There's another way to say that with images. And the book of Revelation begins, if you remember, it begins on earth with these introductions to the seven churches that are on earth. They're, they're here right now, just like we are. And with Father Ben last week, we were taken up in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. We were taken up from earth into heaven to the heavenly courtroom uh, with the heavenly host worshiping God and the Lamb, who is, as we saw last week, and we just sung about so beautifully, he is the one who is able to break the seal. He's the one who's able to break the seal and open the scroll. In Ezekiel's prophecy, Yahweh God broke the seal. He broke the seal and gave the scroll to Ezekiel. In John's prophecy, Jesus is the lamb and he breaks the seal. He breaks the seal and he opens the scroll for us. Ezekiel was told to eat the scroll sweet like honey and bitter in his stomach, John is told the same thing. Eat this scroll. Eat this scroll that is sweet like honey and it's bitter in your stomach. So that's what we want to do this morning. We're going to eat this scroll, okay? That's that's an image and it's really powerful image. We want to eat this. We want to ingest it. Our sermon text this morning comes to us in the midst of the vision of the breaking of the seven seals, 
Okay. This, this, uh, so we have the, we have the question, who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll in Revelation chapter five? And we have the clear answer. If you missed it last week, you can listen online. Jesus. He is the one who is worthy to break the seals. Revelation 5, Jesus the Lamb breaks the seal. And now in chapters 6 through 8, this seal is symbolically depicted as the breaking of seven seals. Okay? The breaking of the seal of the scroll. Okay? Stay with me here. Okay? The breaking of the seal. The wax seal on the scroll that keeps it rolled up. The breaking of that seal is to- we're told that this scroll has writing on both sides. But the breaking of the seal, so this part of Revelation we're talking about in Revelation chapter 6 through 8 today, the breaking of the seal is not the contents of the scroll. You get that? It's not the writing on the front and the back. It's not the contents of the scroll. As As much as Christian culture tends to focus on it, Revelation is not centrally concerned with what? With the what question. What are the events on the scroll? First and foremost, this letter is a letter to the church that answers the who question. I'm going to say that over and over again. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Sunday school answer. Jesus, there you go. Yes, Ty. Yes. We worship Jesus, the Lamb, the incarnate God, Yahweh in the flesh, fulfilling Ezekiel's prophecy and the whole of the scriptures. Jesus alone is worthy to break the scroll. And so this week in Revelation 6 and 7, before we get to the what question, which comes after this, the what question, what is written on the scroll, our text answers the when question. When will this take place? Now, I don't have a whole, whole lot of firm convictions about the prophecy that we're about to unpack today, the revelation of Jesus Christ, okay? But I do have this firm conviction, that this prophecy is not meant to entirely all have taken place in the first century, and it's all not meant to entirely take place in some future, from some future that we magically are not part of, okay? All right? This is for us today. The when question is for us today. And so as this letter begins, just like this letter begins on earth, the first four seals in Revelation chapter 6, they begin on earth. They begin on earth. And then with the fifth seal, we're taken up. Just like John in chapter 4 is taken up into the heavenly courtroom, we're taken up into the courtroom again. And so look with me at Revelation 6 and verse 1. Here's my paraphrase, okay? The first four seals are broken. We're introduced in these first verses to the four horsemen, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Listen, this is what he says. Listen, Christians on earth, compromising Christians. Remember back to two and three, chapters two and three. Compromising Christians, faithful and persecuted Christians, lukewarm Christians, all the struggles of earth, North, south, east, and west to the four corners of the earth, just as at the beginning of this letter, seals one through four reminds us that the God of heaven sees you. He sees you right now on earth in your present circumstances. He sees all of your sin. He sees all of your faithful labor. He sees all of your flirting with false prophets. He sees all of it. He sees it. And then in verse eight, Jesus says, and here's my paraphrase, 
I got this. I got this. To all the faithful on earth, I am holding you tight. It may seem right now that death and Hades reign on earth, but remember, Christian, I already have the keys. I already have the keys of death and Hades. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are only given authority. They're only given authority for a time. So do not be afraid, Christian. All right. This is Revelation chapter six. All right. Remember, this is not yet the content of the scroll. We're still breaking the seal. This is where we're at in the prophecy. Okay. We're still breaking the seal and about to open the scroll. So now the fifth seal, look with me at verse nine in Revelation chapter six. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. So we're up in heaven now. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? And so now... We're moving from the who question that we've already answered, and we're moving to the when question. How long, O Lord, until you come? This is the question of the Old Testament, the Psalms of Lament over and over again. How long, O Lord? How long? This is the same question of the disciples in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? This is one of the oldest questions of the human story. How long until all of this brokenness is fixed, Lord? How long? How, how does the lamb answer the question? Well, he begins to answer it in verse 11. Look with me at Revelation chapter 6 and verse 11. Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete full who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Jesus, when will you come again? Is the question. And here is the clear answer to our when question. And I'm just going to quote Dennis Johnson. He says it like this. It's only going to frustrate those who are date setters who are date setters. The lamb will return to avenge his witnesses' blood just as soon as the very last martyr lays down his, his or her life. When that happens, he's coming, all right? There's your answer to the wind question pretty simply, okay? Look with me at verse 12 of chapter 6. Now the sixth seal is broken, and the sixth seal seems to anticipate the immediate arrival of the final judgment. Okay. Let me, let me show it to you. Look with me at verse 12. When he opened the sixth seal, what does he see? He sees a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. A full moon be, become, became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shake, shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll moving down the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves among the rocks and of the mountains calling to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand. Okay. I want, I, 
I want to take a whole lot of time to prove that this is final judgment language, but go read Ezekiel 38, go read Zechariah 14. Uh, on the, on that day, the great day, this earthquake, the mount, they run to the mountains for security and they fall and they crush them. Okay. This is fulfilling. This is fulfilling the final judgment, this prophecy. Mark chapter 13. Hear this. Mark 13 and verse 24. But in those days, Jesus said to his disciples, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds the whole earth the four winds from the ends of the earth from from the from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven skipping down to verse 30 stay with me hear the bible truly i say to you jesus continued to say this generation This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Skipping down to verse 32. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. All right, so it 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 happened, and it's going to happen, and we don't know when it's going to happen. It's happening right now, guys. This is the point. It's happening right now. I want to read all the Gospels to you this morning. I, I, I striked out so much Bible, but hear this from Matthew. Matthew 27. Hear Jesus. And Jesus cried out again from the cross with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, Matthew writes. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. Okay. At his death on the cross, skipping down to chapter 28 and verse 1 of Matthew, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Hear the gospel. There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it, and his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Okay? It is no wonder, okay, get into the mind of the disciples. It is no wonder that even after the crucifixion, the disciples still asked in Acts Acts chapter 1, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still asking the same question. How long, O Lord? How long until you restore? So remember, this fifth seal, the martyrs are in heaven. They're asking how long? And now in this sixth seal... This is clearly the end. And the gospel writers are all clear. The death and resurrection of Jesus already started the last days. 
already started the last days. But what about the seventh seal? Okay. We're still in days, we're still in the sixth seal here. What about the seventh seal? We all know by now that the number for completion is what? Seven. Yeah, good. You guys are getting it. The number for seven of wholeness of completion is seven. So if the sixth seal begins to reveal the final judgment, if it begins to break into this reality, the seal is breaking. We're not, we're not yet to the revelation full yet. It begins to break this seal. What is the seventh seal all about? What is the seventh seal all about? Well, we're not even going to get to that, okay? And here's why. Our text doesn't start with the seventh seal. Chapter 6 ends with the sixth seal. And then in Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 8 is when the seventh seal comes. In verse 1, Revelation chapter 7, we're in a pause. We're in a pause. This is a little interlude between the sixth and the seventh seals. Christ has died. Christ is risen. The end has come, but pause. Pause. Okay. You got that? This is where we are right now. We're in the divine pause. Not only of this text literarily, but here today in this place, when will Christ come again? Mark chapter 13, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Second Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So the answer to the when question Hear me. The answer to the when question is also the answer to the why question. Why are you waiting to set things right, Lord? Why are you waiting? Why didn't Jesus restore the kingdom of God immediately after the resurrection? That's a real question that Christians were asking. The disciples literally asked it. They recorded it right at the beginning of Acts, okay? Here is the answer from Revelation 7, and this is what I think the main idea of this text is. This is the purpose of the Lamb, okay? Hear this, the purpose of the Lamb. Christ will come back. And I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again so that we remember it. Christ will come back when every last Christian throughout all time is conformed into his image. Okay? I.e. they become Christians, Christ followers. They follow in his footsteps. Let me show it to you. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1. You think the four horsemen are bad. Revelation chapter 1, uh, 7 verse 1 says, verse 2, Then I saw... Another angel. I saw another angel with the seal of the living God. And he, he says this, you Christian, the one whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you cannot be touched by the beast. You cannot be touched by the devil and the great serpent and the beast. Verse four and Revelation chapter seven, verse four. And I heard. And I heard the number of sealed. I heard the number of sealed. Just like in the throne room vision of chapter 5, where John first heard, what did he hear? He heard the lion. 
of the tribe of Judah. This is what he hears proclaimed. He hears this worship, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Revelation 7, it turns. It turns just like in Revelation chapter 5. He hears something and then he turns to see something. What does he see in Revelation chapter 7? He begins to see the census of an unstoppable army. This is a census, this accounting of the nations united under the strong and unstoppable lion. Okay, you remember this? He, He is the unconquerable lion. But what does John do when he turns? So he hears and then he turns to see what does he see? Remember from last week? He's not a lion anymore. What does he see? Yeah, a lamb, a bloody lamb, a bloody lamb. So just like the heavenly throne room scene, John looks in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. He turns and he looks and behold a great multitude that no one... We're finally to the sermon text, y'all. We're we're finally there. And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Verse 14, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Okay, so you hear the lion of Judah, and you see the slain lamb. You hear the unconquerable army of the lion, and now you turn and see a bunch of bloody people in white robes, okay? Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, not yet. My faithful disciples, not yet. You must first become like me. Lay down your life willingly and do it today for the day is near. First century Christian, do it today for the day is near. 21st century Christian, do it today for the day is near. Put on your white bloody robe. And even if you are murdered for your faithful testimony about Jesus, You are free in Christ. You are a part of the unconquerable lion standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white. This is you, faithful Christian. Even if you are murdered for your faithful testimony about Jesus, the second death has no power over you. The second death has no power over you. The grave cannot hold you. When will Jesus come again? When he's done redeeming martyrs, which is another way to say when he's done making Christians, when he's done making little Christ that lay down their lives over and over and over again, and some even to the point of death. Okay, this is Revelation seven. This is the pause that we are a part of. Okay, so if 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 I've been mildly persuasive to you that this is the meaning of Revelation chapter seven. So what? What what can we do today? I have two really quick points of application, okay? Number one, wage war on the beast and conquer, okay? 
wage war on the beast and conquer. Remember from Revelation chapter 2, over and over again, this is addressed to the churches. And he says, to the one who conquers, to the one who conquers, to the one who conquers, to those who conquer. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Wage war on the beast and conquer. The number of the beast is six. The number of mankind worshiping themselves, worshiping their savings account, worshiping man, worshiping their own righteousness. This is the number of six. This is where the battle happens. And it's happening right now. This is the day. This is the seal. This is the conflict right now. Mankind was not created for themselves. They were created for the seventh day. For the seventh day to rest with the lion and worship him. The battle for your soul. The bloody fields of Armageddon are on the sixth day today. So fight. So fight the great dragon armed with the sword of the spirit. Let the New Testament come to uh, come alive to you. Clothe yourselves with armor and go into this battle. Make war against every twisted passion, every deceitful desire. Kill your old beastly self and put on the armor of Jesus Christ. Okay? Wage war against the beast and conquer C.S. Lewis, I haven't quoted C.S. Lewis in like six months. It is a serious thing to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw him now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as now, such as you now meet if only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. This is an apocalyptic view of the world. You're either becoming like Jesus, someone that you would be tempted to worship if you saw them now. John was tempted to worship. Or you're becoming a beast. That is the stakes. Wage war on the beast and conquer. You don't need an accountability partner. You need fellow warriors. You need people who are going to fight sin and fight the devil and fight the beast. Okay, that's number one. Number two, speak with all authority and without fear. Do not be afraid. Be a faithful witness. Revelation chapter one. The churches are, they're symbolically They're symbolically called lampstands, right? We know this. Jesus preached about this. You are the what? The light of the world. You are the light of the world. Don't hide under a bowl, but let your light shine before before men. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. So Christian, be clothed in sackcloth, which is another way to say, be humble, be repentant, and be a witness. 
a witness to Jesus Christ telling the story of the lion and the lamb, it might get you killed, Christian. It might get you killed. You might become like Jesus, your Lord, and you might die. But you will also become like him and you will rise again. Revelation 12, 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their own lives even unto death. Speak with all authority and without fear. Be a faithful witness. When will Christ come again? This is the question. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. By faith, your name can be written with blood in the Lamb's book today. Cry out to him by faith. Do not wait. Today is the day. Today is the day. Do not wait. Follow Jesus. Don't go to sleep. Stay awake. Stay awake. Will you be found faithful on that day? Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 